0: Welcome to BFC Live, the daily video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. BFC Live highlights the company's brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis sector. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com. Coming up on this BFC Live, we connect with Paolo De Luca. He is the chief strategy officer of Organogram. Organogram is a Moncton, New Brunswick-based licensed producer. We want to connect with him about their latest financials as well as what they see on the horizon in Canada related to emerging trends. Paulo, thanks for being here.
1: My pleasure, Jay. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you because uh, obviously we see lots of releases come across our, uh, our screens, as it turns out, through email. But I wanted to check in with you about um, where OGI is right now. Uh, you guys just released your Q3 financials. I want to talk about trends that you are seeing and we're seeing, uh, certainly on the Canadian landscape. And, uh, and anything else that comes up, because we always have good times talking with folks from OGI. Um, it makes us nostalgic for visits to Moncton, which we hope to have again at some point when, um, when everybody's traveling again. But thank you for making time.
1: You know, no, it's my pleasure. And, and we're, we're welcome to have you at any time. You can, you can make it out, uh, you know, COVID restrictions uh, um, notwithstanding.
0: Yeah, we'll get there. We, we love it. We've been inside the facility Every time I say that, I feel like it was yesterday, but in reality, I think it was like February or March twenty nineteen, which is still- oh,
1: wow. It, yeah, it, it will have changed a little bit since you've been there, so I think it'll be pretty exciting to see. For it sure. was
0: pretty exciting. We were there. Um, uh, it was pretty exciting. We were there, and obviously, look, you guys—you um, don't run the town of Moncton, uh, the city, but but uh, but it is obviously an, an important part of the economic engine that is running uh, in Moncton. Um, but talk a little bit about, you guys just relate to financials, talk about what you're excited about, what you're seeing um, uh, right now.
1: Yeah, look, we're really excited about the quarter, um, uh, in part because, um, to, to be completely frank, we, we were having a bit of a flat year up until uh, this last quarter. Um, we kind of hit an ADAR in, um, in Q2. Uh, our Q3 results are definitely a pivot back to growth. Um, you know, our gross revenue increased by 51% to, uh, to over 29 million, and our in our, um, in our uh, net revenue was grew by 39% quarter over quarter um, to uh, to over 20 million. So, those are our marked improvements from the previous quarter. and you know, one of the reasons why uh, we were a bit flat uh, up until um, the most recent quarter, which again was, was a, definitely a shift to the positive, was there was a lot of uncertainty uh, from our part um, uh, with the onset of COVID last year. We did, we did not know what that would mean in terms of um, cannabis demand. There were also uh, some pretty big restrictions in terms of uh, how we, you know, uh, we manage the facility and the, you know, the people inside and so forth. So we made a decision um, in the um, just after COVID uh, last year started uh, to uh, to restrict production a little bit, and we cut back our employee count quite a bit for uh, for a temporary period of time. And you know, right now we're we're over seven hundred employees uh, across Canada. Um, at, you know, at one point we were under five hundred, just to give you an indication of of some of the uh, the some of the um, cutbacks we made at that point in time. Um, and what ended up happening is we probably overshot the mark in terms of being what we thought was prudent at the time. Um, and as uh, the market developed, actually, it was was stronger than, uh, than we anticipated. We actually left a lot of revenue off on the table. And, you know, given the, what we, you know, the, pro- the, the products that we make, there's a long lead time because of the cultivation aspect and everything else that's involved, post-harvest testing, packaging, all that type of stuff. So it took a while for us to realize that. And then to uh, uh, to pivot back to a uh, to a more uh, large scale um, or full scale kind of growth for us, uh, and now we're actually at the point where there's so much demand that we're we've uh, we just announced yesterday that we're looking to complete our phase four C, which is substantially complete but requires a bit more capex, and that will take us up on our production capacity even further. So. Uh, no, we're we're super excited. Our our Q3 was definitely better than our Q2, and and our Q4 is shaping up to be even better than our Q3. And um, I think uh, you know we're we're in a very uh, um, you know happy place from a growth perspective, and and all the publicly available market share data will support uh, the fact that we're actually gaining market share, and we're we're fourth or fifth probably um, you know nationwide based on the the numbers that we're seeing. So uh, again, pretty pretty good for a company that that runs out of you know historically one facility, now two in, uh, in Winnipeg with their edibles, but you know mainly from a cultivation perspective, just one.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because as you were sort of describing the past several quarters uh, and COVID, uh, sort of the overlay of that on top, it, it also coincides of course with, I think if we weren't through COVID, even during this time sort of cannabis in Canada, we will have really acknowledged that it's a different market today than it was even a year ago or even 16 months ago in that the sheer number of stores where people are buying cannabis is just skyrocketed, right? And continues to skyrocket, which one of its own implications as a trend, Uh, we even see this week sort of consolidation on the retail front, but just people are finding more places to go buy legal cannabis, full stop. And that has to have a beneficial impact on companies like yours that have distribution, that have brands that are across the country. Like it's a bit of sort of right-sizing both sides of the consumer experience from a product development perspective and a retail perspective. And at some point, I think likely within the next year, we will like right size what that market is. Is that sort of how you view it? Like, you know, the production was way ahead of where the consumers could actually get it. And now consumers can get it in places many more. So and like it's right sizing the sort of size on both ends of that.
1: Yeah, and I think the one thing to to note in terms of the proliferation of stores, there's definitely been a massive increase in the number of stores nationwide, but then you almost have to look at it on a province by province basis because Ontario went from being severely under indexed for the number of stores that it needs for a population. And now it's really like gone, gone crazy. Like we're over 800 stores now in Ontario. And then you have provinces like Quebec, which have the most sales per store in Canada, but they don't have that many stores. So when they open up, you know, five stores, that's a, a much more, um, you know, has more um, influence than the same number of stores in Ontario. And then in Ontario, there's a further dynamic in that a lot of the munis- municipalities have not necessarily opted in yet. So in Toronto, they've opted in, obviously tons of stores in Toronto. And then even within Toronto, it's, uh, it's concentrated in a few, you know, distinct areas. Uh, then if you look at the in the 905 region around that some of the, the biggest municipalities including Mississauga, Vaughan, Markham have not opted in yet so you have the situation where there's a ring of no stores uh, in, in some of those 905 pockets and then when you go beyond that there's stores again so the, the way that all uh, develops over time will be interesting to to note and you know we expect over time when when someone who's on the um, called the north side of Steeles, where where I live, which is in which is in Vaughan. Uh, when the mayor realizes that people are from Vaughan are just going to Toronto on the south side of Steeles, there'll be enough pressure, I think, at some point for the municipalities to relent. But early days of cannabis, there's still the whole destigmatization that has to happen. It's going to take time, but eventually that will uh, work itself out, and you know we'll get to a more, you know, normal market, so to speak, down the road.
0: Yeah, it is interesting because like you think about it, obviously on a day-to-day basis, like, you're like, oh, three more stores are opening in Quebec. That has this type of impact on sort of cannabis overall, whereas the same, you know, five new stores opening in downtown Toronto probably have a minimal impact, but it is sort of balancing that, you know, and then also planning ahead. You're talking about the operations. Like it, it, it's, it's a challenging industry overall, those types of things to like get up to. I don't even know if when when you guys are predicting sort of full speed from a like a retail perspective and then how to answer that demand and sort of then to attract consumers, get them the first time, second time, and all of those things. You know, these are grand challenges for a sector boiled down to a company like organogram is, you know, these are the strategy decisions you're you're constantly making.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing that you, you kind of touched upon, I think there too, is, you know, now that Ontario has the number of stores that it has, you know, it representing of 40% of the Canadian population and the number of stores you now have to think of when you launch a SKU, your ability to sustainably, per, to, you know, uh, uh, fulfill your, your purchase orders for that number of stores. So you, it's it's a very different paradigm than it was called two years ago. Uh, and so I think you're going to see kind of this kind of barbell approach where, um, you know, 80% of your revenue is coming from, you know, just a handful of SKUs or, or you know, 20% of your SKUs uh, because you really do have to, You know, build into your consideration how reliably you can you can feed that beast which is you know the the big province with a with the big number of stores and at at the same time also be able to deal with. Those uh, those obligations, you have with the other provinces, so I think that that will separate some of the winners and losers uh, you know people who can who can you know reliably uh, deliver on that that promise.
0: Yeah, and one of the things, because like, you're saying it, and it's over your left shoulder, uh, or is your right shoulder? I can't tell if through Zoom. Um, but but shred, like if you when you um, when you do the Ontario cannabis store, they release their sort of top search brands, I guess, on a monthly basis. But shred continues to be sort of, you know, in their grid top and in the number one slot. Like I, I mean, that must be rewarding to sort of launch, you know, develop a strategy, launch a product, get it on shelves, keep it on shelves, and then have consumers think about it really positively over time like obviously that's rewarding but but like when you're looking at it internally are you looking like if we have shred and we know that that's an entry point and it's a large format a value format like how else do we build upon that like obviously that's the sort of strategy but but how difficult is that to execute in real time uh and then ongoing
1: yeah i know i think shred shred has surpassed our expectations and it's and it's actually put it that's been a challenge for us we've actually been in some instances, out of out of product, which is the kind of the, a nightmare scenario for a for a company like ourselves, and, and it really was that we never we never actually anticipated that it would be the home run that it is. Um, you know, we've obviously had a, you know a bit more time now to deal with that, and we're we're figuring out ways to uh, uh, to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, but we're looking at, you know, we've we've launched, we've had line extensions into shred. We've launched, um, you know, a pre-roll format, uh, fourteen uh, half gram pre-rolls in uh, in uh, under the same uh, brand, and we'll be looking to leverage that brand uh, going forward. Like shred's been the number one search brand on the OCS website for eight consecutive yes. months. Um, so, you know, between shred and Edison, I think we're really lucky because we 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 definitely have two brands that are. Uh, are resonating. Um I know Edison is is, you know, from the, the, the feedback that we're getting is a is a top five or six brand depending which way you look at it in Canada as well. So for for you know an LP of, of our um, call it you know like market share or market cap or whatever metric you want to use to have two strong brands like that I think is a, a testament to our team and uh, we'll be looking to leverage that going forward with line extensions. So Uh, These are, we finally are getting to the point where there's real brand equity, and I think these are two examples for us of of that happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, and as you you look ahead, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, um, like, and I don't want to sort of put you on the spot and project things you're not supposed to be projecting publicly, but like, when you look ahead at like the next year of cannabis in Canada specifically, like, like, how are you looking at it from a corporate perspective? Are you saying, like, we expect another 800 stores in Ontario and, you know, Alberta to sort of right side of stealth, BC, some exciting sort of growth or opportunities? Like, do you look at it countrywide? Are you looking at a province to province or even municipality to municipality, thinking about where the brands grow and resonate and sort of your work with retailers as well?
1: Yeah, we, we have to think nationally. Um, and then within nationally, we, we have strategies to deal with each of the The unique provinces, because the models are very different across across the country, Um, I think it's become easier in the sense that, as now that Ontario at least has a a more pro rata presence or you know there is you know over indexing or or at least indexing to the the store count. The sales are starting to match what the population should look like so you know now things are coming into into focus a bit better, we have the ability now also. Um, to to predict our, our our sales and and demand a lot better than we did, and I think other other competitors would say the same thing. The 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 dust is settling a little bit. It was it was so confusing earlier on. There there, there were massive changes in market share uh, in provinces, and, and it was really driven as much by what what people could produce versus what the actual uh, sell through demand was. Um, but from from our perspective, I think having these two anchor brands to to work off of. Um, and having again a deeper pool of stores to sell into that makes things a little bit easier from a from a forecasting perspective, and uh, we have a clear sense of you know where our value proposition is, and so again we can we can leverage that. Um, but in terms of of the overall size of the market, how that's going to grow, um, again I think that'll be a little bit easier going forward to predict than it has been the last year where you had all these. You know in in and out influences in terms of covid and stores being open and will ontario actually open the stores if the if you think the people can't walk in and so that's kind of hopefully going away for good um and uh yeah no i think uh and you know we look at all the industry forecasts that uh, you know headset and bdsa and others put out there um you know there's a chance that we're, we're underestimating what the actual ultimate demand is when you look at a province uh, a state like colorado that did uh, you know over two billion of sales they're they have a population of less than six million people so you know you you equalize that for canada now the regs are a little bit different it's more mature there are differences there but even if you do 60 or 70 percent of that in five years you get a very very different number than what people are projecting for canada now and a lot of it also is going to depend on how quickly we can convert, you know, the illicit market into uh, the legal market. I think the industry's done better. I think we probably were, um, you know, I think with the, with the value formats in particular and the larger formats that has really made a big change into eating into the illicit market, converting the illicit market. I think the, the the store presence, the ability for someone to walk to a store with, uh, I, again, you know, stores in in high density areas. That's that's been a factor as well, um, and yeah, there's more as producers. There's more more to do. We have a lot more work to do in terms of uh, the value proposition. We're a little bit handicapped on edibles because of the THC, the 10 milligrams of THC per package. But you know, we we have to we have to figure out a way in, in the absence of regulatory change to to find find ways of of uh, bringing over some of those consumers. And I think part of it is the value prop, making sure the pricing makes sense, and some of it's going to be innovation, which is uh, going to be paramount to growing uh, the industry.
0: Yeah. It's like all uh, these like um, factors, right? Like when the history of Canada, cannabis is written in Canada over the past several years, we're looking back, say five years from we're looking back, it'll, there'll be a sub chapter on all these things as it relates to like even COVID growth, like retail sales in Ontario, um, large formats hitting, you know, hitting consumers and then transitioning over. I even think that, you know, the the larger the larger numbers of pre-rolls per pack and smaller, like I think right. that has been a major yep. innovation, like smaller joints. I'm not sure that's an innovation, but actually coming to market and consumers, coming to that, um, producers being able to right-size their operations to meet consumer demand and distribution right. across the country. It's a little bit of all of that that has been like why this coming out of COVID versus going in feels different and, and maybe on a slightly different foot uh, and a better foot, frankly, than when everybody went into COVID.
1: 100%. I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah. Plus, you know, we've been in the basement for that long. So we're ready to go go explore <laughs> explore new stores and uh, and new products. Uh, Paulo, I really appreciate the time. We look forward to connecting with you down the road and hopefully spending a little bit of time in Moncton in the next year.
1: That would be awesome. And again, thanks for having me and uh, all the best to you in, uh, in 2021.
0: You got it. Thanks, man. Thanks, Gene. That was Paolo DeLuca. He is the Chief Strategy Officer of Organogram. If you like this program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you heard the show. It helps support the work we do. We're able to do what we do because of our ongoing partners, including Alterna Savings, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Can Delta, Gallagher, Headset, and Torquemaine. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com.